Rob Bro. He's your sports bro at KKAM.com and the Talk 1340 app. You guys are not doing any pass blocking. You're just stepping aside and letting them walk in. Pop, 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 pop. That's what I want. All of you around that boat. What's wrong with y'all? Don't put like some little girls. Got like y'all know play football before. These guys are nothing. You hear me? They please us like we do. They sweat just like we do. Do you hear me? They went through two days. We went through two days in 110 degree heat. Yes, sir. I want you to hit everything to move. If the rest gets in your way, you hit them. Okay, then let's play. But that's seen us too. That gives us too. This is our team. This is us. Let's go right now. Let's get it off now. Let's go. Rob Rose Show Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. I am the host. You are the co-host. You can text in 806-855-3712. We just had an incredible show with Ryan Hyatt and the Raiderland. Now we'll do this one. It's Overreaction Monday. Text in your overreactions. Plenty from the weekend. Some Big 12 baseball overreactions, some Texas Tech baseball overreactions, plenty of basketball overreactions as well. The tournament chances are dead. That's my overreaction. No ch- Zero chance Texas Tech makes the tournament now. Uh, after that loss with TCU, you were working on such a thin margin. And call me a pink raider, but I have zero faith Texas Tech wins in Lawrence. You've done it before. It can happen. I'm not saying it can happen. I wouldn't be shocked if Texas Tech won in Lawrence, especially because some teams have done it this year as well. But it does not seem likely, and it is much less likely than beating TCU in Lubbock. So now that you have to win your last two, it feels like that door has closed. Uh, Oklahoma State now all of a sudden inching toward not being in the tournament, even after some success in the last two or three weeks. Um, Oklahoma State is going to be a must-win in Lubbock for both teams, I think. Uh, For one, to just keep hope alive for Texas Tech and to not finish 0-3 in Big 12 play after starting 0-9. Again, not absolutely saying that you won't win in Lawrence, but right now the likelihood is low. So my overreaction is that Texas Tech's tournament chances are done. Now, I was probably higher than most going into the weekend, at least with the tournament chances. I did not feel good about the TCU game, and unfortunately it ended up that way, though I thought it was a good fight at the end. And How many times have we said that this year? You know, Texas Tech basketball really fought to the end there. Now, a few games you have not been able to say that. Uh, West Virginia in Lubbock. Both Baylor games. Iowa State in Ames. But in Austin, you fought really well and couldn't pull it out. 
Kansas State and Manhattan, you fought really well for about three quarters of the game, but I thought they dominated late in that one. TCU, you're up by 12 in the second half and lose by, I think, six or something. Kansas, you fought really hard to the end. Oklahoma, in overtime, you fought really hard to the end. You beat him in Norman. It just feels frustrating that so often this year we've tried to say that Texas Tech is really close, but just not good enough. And it's unfortunate to be a product of your situation in most instances. And this time you're a product that you're a really good basketball team in a lot of ways. Not every way, but in a lot of ways you're a really good basketball team in a great basketball conference. With a bad non-con that doesn't help you at all. You're doing exactly what West Virginia is doing in Big 12 play. They have a 50% chance to make the tournament. You have a 7% chance. Roughly. You'll have to follow Ryan Mainville on Twitter to get the exact numbers there. I forgot them. Oklahoma State, meanwhile, doing better than both of you in Big 12 play by a game or two. They have a 25% chance. And I know we talk about scheduling a lot, and it shouldn't matter. Because if you win your Big 12 games, it doesn't matter. But you started behind the eight balls in several ways this season in basketball, whether it's having that non-conference schedule, and some of it's out of your control, or starting 0-9 in Big 12 play, or having to replace so much from last year's team, or not convincing Clarence Nadolny and Terrence Shannon and Kevin McCuller to return, or Malik Wilson, by having five freshmen, four freshmen and a redshirt sophomore playing a ton of minutes this year, you just you 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 weren't prepared to be successful in a lot of ways. And again, we've talked about the schedule, but you can't control Ohio State tanking down the stretch. You can't control Louisville being the worst Louisville team in the history of Louisville teams. You can't control Georgetown being so bad for the third straight season. You didn't even control picking that game because it was given to you in the Big East Challenge. But in a year where you needed... To not have any mistakes, you've had too many mistakes. You've had end-of-game mistakes. You've had overtime mistakes. That Oklahoma overtime in Lubbock where you just let a freshman blow right by you twice to get a layup without any defense. Brutal mistakes. Not overhelping in the no-middle defense for a large stretch of Big 12 conference play. Brutal mistakes. Not having 
Davian Harmon be Davian Harmon for a long stretch of Big 12 play? Brutal mistake, and I don't know if that was a personal mistake on him or a coaching mistake. A little bit of both, I'm sure. And I thought you had two big mistakes at the end of the TCU game, or three in the last three or four minutes, that you just shouldn't have. That really well-coached teams don't have. I don't think Mark Adams is a bad coach. I think he's a really good coach. But when you say immediately after a game in the press conference, yes, I had two big mistakes, that one's on me, what are you supposed to say? What are you supposed to say on that? And again, the inbounding plays, the the inbounds defense, the out-of-timeout plays, it is a big difference between just not executing and just not calling a great play. And as poorly as we talk about Mark Adams and out-of-timeouts and inbounds plays, the execution was poor this season on, on several of them. I, I thought you had some good inbounds plays that just didn't get executed. But that's also not anything new. This offense has not had that in the bag very often in this era of being really good. You just had a defense to overcome it. You did not have that this year. I think absolutely Mark Adams can bounce back next season if a core returns. But if you're replacing a core like you replaced a core last year, I don't see how that's a successful plan. We can also have thoughts on the NIT that seems to be more and more your route to a postseason, uh, at least a successful postseason run. A lot of people do not want to go. A lot of people would just as soon turn down the NIT than go to the NIT. I do not think that should be a goal to get to the NIT. Uh, But I also, in this respect, don't think it's a negative. Certainly nationally, to be in four straight tournaments or whatever it is, and then show up in the NIT, it's an off year. Absolutely, it's an off year. I think we all know that. But to give those freshmen some kind of tournament experience, if they return, can only help. It's a little bit different than a bowl game where you just get one opportunity. Potentially, you could have a weekend or two of games in the in the NIT that could be moderately replicatable to an NCAA tournament run. It's not the same. It's not even really close to the same. But at least it's an opportunity. It's not a good opportunity, but it's an opportunity. Overreaction Monday. The XFL is great, but they need to score more points. I actually tuned into two different XFL games this weekend. I enjoyed... The San Antonio Brahmas game. Shout out to Rico Jeffers and TJ Vasher, but it it still looks a little uneven. And there are only so many good quarterbacks in the NFL. 
Um, it's hard to think you're going to get a bunch of good quarterbacks in the XFL. I think that's part of the problem. Jack Cohn at one point was like 9 of 11 for 62 yards. Uh, I mean, if there was anybody for the candidate to call him Captain Checkdown, old Checkdown Cohn there, he would be available for that moniker. I, I don't think I saw him throw down the field over 10 yards more than once or twice, and a couple of times the defense was begging for it. Single high safety, press coverage, try to get it to the outside. The commentators were checking on it. Uh, I saw it. I, I'm i not some football savant, but you got to take a deep shot every once in a while. Uh, I don't know that Jack Cohn or a lot of these XFL players, quarterbacks, can make all the throws like you're used to seeing. Um, got to be better than they are, though. I agree. More offense would make it a better product, uh, especially in this kind of league. I mean, great defense is one thing, and I, I'm a football purist. I like great defensive games. But in this respect, uh, offense would sell. And to the common man, offense certainly sells. So I understand the Texas point there. Uh, but I, I'm kind of getting into the XFL. I was hedging my bets and, and trying to stay out of it a little bit just because I've been hurt before by uh, these spring football leagues. The XFL might be onto something. I like the three-point extra point plays. I like the fourth and 15 fourth quarter go-for-it scenarios where you're never out of it. I like all of that. I like the kickoff where the two teams are standing right next to each other down the field and then you kick off normal. I like a lot of what the XFL is doing. It it needs time to grow. And uh, the USFL is also back in a couple of weeks for season two. We'll see if they have some kinks ironed out. Uh, the broadcasts are a little bit frustrating in the XFL. Because you, you hear the coaches talking. They're mic'd up. You can hear the quarterback calling the play, and the announcers are talking the whole time. So every once in a while, it's like, hey, somebody needs to shut up. So the, the announcers need to shut up, or they need to lower the coach mics or whatever. Um, that's still a little bit frustrating. My, my brain, my ADHD brain cannot handle six people talking at once during a football game and trying to focus on the game. I almost muted it for a while because it was... They had both coaches, both coordinators, calling plays on the screen at the same time. Greg, or whoever it was, was also predicting what was going to happen. It's like, Greg, just listen to the play, and then you'll know what's happening. You don't have to predict it. You're not Tony Romo. And then also, they had the quarterback calling like all at the same time. It was a little much. It was a little much for me. But I do like some of that. And I think an NFL team could absolutely get into that in some ways, a little more mic'd up features during the game. Uh, NFL, the Players Association, and and maybe even um, Fox and, and the broadcast, you probably can do less of it on real TV and not ESPN+. You probably have a little more leeway on ESPN+, just in case you know some bombs get through. But uh, having having some defensive coordinator calls or offensive coordinator calls would be really cool in an NFL game, or even a college game. That would be awesome. 
All right, let's take the break here. When we come back, more Texas Tech athletics, uh, an overreaction for the track team, an overreaction for the baseball team, Big 12 baseball to talk about. Let's get into it. It's the Rob Rose Show, Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports. Welcome back. It's Rob Rocher, Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports. Little Beastie Boys for your Monday. Texas Tech Baseball winning another series, sweeping another series. 8-0 early for Texas Tech through two weekends. They go to Houston this weekend to play the first time outside of Danlaw Field. Uh, the Texas Tech RPI dropped a little bit this weekend, uh, but up 36 since last weekend. So up and down a little bit for Texas Tech. Uh, they're at 87th in the country. Obviously, haven't played anybody yet. Uh, they are 8-0 in quadrant four. There's five quads there in the... Uh, I guess it's not a quad. Quint Quince? Qu- Quintance? What's a what's a five quadrant? Anyways, uh, they're in the section, the fourth section of RPI teams that they do in uh, the D one baseball nitty gritty RPI list. Uh, in the Big Twelve, TCU in the top ten at four and three, but they are two and two against. That first quadrant of teams, one and one against the third quadrant of teams. So TCU, a really tough schedule. Um, talk to some TCU baseball um, podcasters this weekend, and they said uh, the tough schedule has been, well, tough. And it might have shown a few bullpen weaknesses for TCU. Uh, but I would assume they get a lot of that figured out. That's a really good team at 4-3. and three. And similar to what Texas Tech has done, uh, when they start on the road in Arlington like TCU has done, or otherwise, uh, starting with some tougher competition early in the season, uh, that really is a crapshoot in baseball because one team might have a guy hot early and your guy gets hot in the second month of the season or in Big 12 player down the stretch like Oklahoma did. Uh, West Virginia, number two in the RPI in the Big 12, also four and three. Um, not as tough of a schedule. They're one and two in, in the third quadrant, one and oh in the second quadrant. They've not played any number one teams. Uh, Kansas State also up there in the Big 12, but they're four and four. Four and oh in quad five games. Oh and four. Uh, oh and one in each of the first four. So that's kind of a, it's kind of a weird section, but they've played. A top team, so that boosted their RPI way up. Uh, but they are four and four. Uh, elsewhere in the Big Twelve, let's see. Up next would be Texas Tech, uh, Oklahoma State at one seventeen, uh, losing one this weekend. 
Oklahoma State also has had a pretty tough schedule to start out. They played one quad one game, at least tougher than Texas Tech, but they've also played three terrible teams. They had back-to-back no-hitters this weekend, but one like one to zero and then another low score. So Oklahoma State a little bit weird start to the season. I thought they were going to be really good. They still can be, obviously. Um, the rest of the Big 12, you're going to have to keep scrolling. Texas at 3-4, and four, down at 159 in the RPI. Early season. And after a weekend, you can jump 100 spots. That's how little data points are there right now. But just as it stands early, uh, Oklahoma at 172, they're also 4-4. Four and four. Pretty much everybody at 500 in the Big 12 or right above or right under, except for Texas Tech, who is 8-0. and oh. uh, Kansas and Baylor also struggling early. Uh, I did not see Baylor. I've scrolled to 302. Surely I missed Baylor. Uh, Baylor is the worst team in the Big 12. They're at 244. They're 2-5. and five, But they're 1-3 and three against teams in that fifth section of RPI teams. And Baylor uh, lost 20-5 to five to Central Michigan early in the year. They beat Houston Christian. And they got rocked by Duke over the weekend. And I mean rocked. Now, this is at Duke. So a road series early. But Duke beat them 20 to 1, 22 to 3, and 10 to 3. After already getting put 20 up on against Central Michigan, they've got three games this year where they've given up 20 or more runs. Baylor, 20 or more runs. Overreaction Monday. Baylor's the worst team in the Big 12, and I don't even know this much for overreaction right now. Uh, two Texas Tech players playing for Kansas. Kansas also off to a little bit of a poor start. but uh, And then you have A&M, who lost a series to Portland at home. Portland University. Uh, they swept Seattle, lost to Lamar in the midweek, lost twice to Portland over the weekend, ten to three and four to one, before winning five to four uh, in a game where they needed to uh, win late, I believe. Just a, an overall kind of a weird start to the Big Twelve, and it certainly matters for. Uh, the Big 12 and the SEC uh, heading into this weekend, especially for A&M. Uh, if you're looking at uh, Texas Tech's weekend, uh, there are several teams that you're playing this weekend that just aren't very good in the RPI, so they don't help right now. And I also lied to you about Kansas. Uh, the two players that left from Texas Tech are not doing well, uh, but Kansas is doing well, very well at 5-1. and one. Uh, on the season, the other team that's above 500. I knew there was one more. I couldn't find them, uh, and they are two and one against quote unquote quad two teams, and then uh, two and zero oh against the other one. 
the quad four teams. But just an early look at the RPI. I, I know it's really, really volatile early. Uh, Texas Tech ranked 18th in the country. Uh, the RPI is nothing to worry about today. And you'll go up if you win this weekend. If you start 11-0, even if A&M is struggling early, even if Michigan uh, might not be exactly what they've been, and Rice, who is also not going to be a a resume booster early, all of those schools can bounce back. And, And Rice, I think, right now, Really struggling, but a team at two and five who can certainly win this weekend. Uh, but just according to RPI, you should be three and zero this weekend, which would be really, really cool and a really good start for Texas Tech baseball. Especially if you're starting to look, and I know it's early, but overreaction Monday, starting to look at maybe a national seed and that kind of unwritten forty game win mark. If you could start eleven and one or eleven and zero. 10 and 1 even um if you could go 10 and 1 four times that would be really really good and it kind of sets you up to not have to win the Big 12 and be incredible and just win most of your series there in the Big 12 and not get swept like you got swept last year in Fort Worth all right let's take another break when we come back a few more overreactions including an overreaction about Dylan Carter who is absolutely back We'll talk about it when we come back. It's Rob Bro Show Talk, 103.9 News, Money Sports. Welcome back. It is the Rob Bro Show. Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. I am the host. You are the co-host. Back to the text line. Dear Bro, how are you? I am fine. I'm glad you're fine. I'm fine too. Uh, let's see. Did you watch the Live Golf Tournament? It had a couple of Lubbock mentions over the weekend. One from J.J. Colleen and one from fake Natalie Maines. The Shoey is a big player on the LIV Tour. Uh, no, I, I'm not down with the Shoey. I, I believe that's chugging from a shoe. Not a fan. Would not. Could not. Should not. Uh, especially from a stranger's shoe. Not my bag. Uh, Mike could be convinced from my own shoe, uh, but a stranger's boot in my face with a beer in it. No, 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 no. Uh, I did not watch a single live tour hole. I probably could have found the CW. Um, I don't watch a lot of golf period though. I keep up with the PGA. I keep up with uh, collegiate golf. But but I'm not uh, I'm not tuning in in February. I'm a I'm a a majors guy. Sorry. Shout out to JJ Colleen though. 
my favorite uh, TCU athlete of all time. My overreaction is the Mavericks are just not a good team, and their head coach saying, I'm not playing, I'm watching just like you guys does not help. That was unbelievable. Unbelievable, Jason Kidd. You should be doing more than watching. You're coaching. You're doing the rotations. You're putting players on the floor. You should be calling plays, sets, defensive assignments. If you're just watching Jason Kidd, what are they paying you for? Texter continues, I do believe they can be good in the playoffs with Luka and Kyrie, but losing to the Lakers at home is not a good look. Especially up 27, I might add to the texter. The Mavericks were up 27 and lost to the Lakers. Shout out Darvin Ham, though. Is Darvin Ham a better coach than Jason Kidd, my column? Seems like it in some ways. Uh, but yeah, the Mavericks certainly have deficiencies. They always have. Um, and, and yes, they're a team just like uh, some, you know, Cavs teams that you just got to get to the playoffs with LeBron James and you can make some noise. Well, the Mavericks can do that too, but just with Luka. I would take Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving in a series in some ways more than I'd take them in a regular season game that I guess doesn't matter specifically, but will matter, especially against the Lakers when you're trying to secure a playoff spot. In the NBA playoffs today, you don't just want to be in the playoffs. You want to be one of the seeds. You don't want to do a play-in game. Anything can happen in a playoff game. A playoff, a play-in game. Obviously, anything can happen in a playoff game too, but in the NBA, you have you can, you can recover from it. You can recover from a bad loss because they're series. But the plan is just the plan. Um, let's see. More insiders are, are getting in on the ACC stuff from the weekend. I. I don't know that we're ready yet to have that conversation um, because I think they're so far away, but I do think it is intriguing that Florida State is saying it out loud, that Clemson is saying it out loud and actually getting some input there because it seemed like the ACC was just par for the course and didn't care, but now that we know they care, Maybe there's something else that we can do as far as ACC expansion or the delusion of the grant of rights so they can do a little movement. Uh, what does that look like for the Big 12 and the Big 10 and the SEC? There's also comments that the Big 10 is maxed on teams and don't have the money to be adding teams pro rata. Now, if you could have the opportunity for Clemson and there's a scenario in the Big Ten where you move on from, I don't know, Rutgers and Maryland and add Notre Dame and Florida State or Notre Dame and Oregon or something like that and you're swapping one for one and getting better but staying at 16, maybe that's something that the Big Ten does. But I, I don't see... With that payment, with those schools, how they can just keep adding. 
I mean, at some point, at some point, there's a break. And it feels like ESPN has already reached that point with the Pac-12 and with uh, Bob Iger or whoever is the president now telling the sports guys at ESPN to button up there, the suits at Disney telling ESPN to chill out with all the money they're spending. There seems to be a breaking point, and I, I don't know how there's another major round. Now, the SEC seems to be in a good spot, even with ESPN. The Big 12 seems like they're in a good spot with Fox and ESPN because they can get to the fourth window with the Pac-12 and be good. But the ACC can't renegotiate with ESPN solely like they are right now. They would have to open it up with somebody else. And if Fox is saying they don't have any more money for Big Ten schools, which is why Oregon didn't get added, if CBS and NBC are satisfied with Game of the Week stuff and Notre Dame, they're not going to get more into it. Nobody's picking college football over the NFL. Even ESPN, who has so many college football games, still prioritizes that ESPN playoff game and Monday Night Football in a lot of ways. So... Fox is certainly still an NFL channel. CBS and NBC certainly still more in on on NFL than college football. At some point, there's just not enough money to go around for these big programs and big conferences. I did want to run through the Shiner Classic this weekend, the Shiner Hospital's college classic there at Minute Maid, which I will be in attendance uh, Friday, the schedule goes Texas Tech versus Rice, TCU versus Michigan, Louisville versus Texas A&M. That might be a three-day game for me, three-game day. Uh, up next, Michigan versus Texas Tech, Louisville versus TCU, and then the nightcap again, Rice versus Texas A&M. Texas A&M gets the late game every single night. And then Sunday, Michigan versus Louisville, Rice versus TCU, A&M versus Texas Tech. So Texas Tech will get two home games, it looks like, uh, starting as the road team versus Rice in Houston this weekend. Again, that is 11 a.m., 11 a.m. for Texas Tech on Friday and Saturday. And then a uh, TBD, likely 7.30 or later game with A&M and Texas Tech on Sunday night. It's a pretty good field. A pretty good field. It's not an incredible field. Uh, I will be excited to see TCU. Uh, I think Texas Tech and Michigan have developed a little bit of a, maybe not a rivalry, but at least some familiarity. I think they've played in each of the last three or four seasons. Michigan puts you out of Omaha. Michigan played a series in Lubbock. That might have been the same season. And then you played them last year in Arlington. Did you play them in 20? Did you go to Michigan in 2021? Whatever. Three of the last four years, you've at least had some opportunities with Michigan. So 
It's a kind of a, an intriguing matchup in that sense. You'll be around TCU. I'm excited to see TCU baseball. I think they'll be really good this year. Uh, Louisville has a, a squad, or at least some history of a squad, and then getting to play A&M wherever, whenever, is always fun. Always fun. And even though they struggled with Portland, they'll be there, and they'll be ready to play Texas Tech, um, I'm sure. And that's uh, another bit of familiarity with A&M and Texas Tech because Jim Schlossnagel is at A&M now. Uh, we did get a little bit um, jobbed because TCU and Texas A&M won't be playing. But still a good field. I'm really excited to be down there. And uh, if you're going to be down there, let me know in the text line, 806-855-3712. We've got another overreaction Monday. Uh, on a comment I made earlier in the show, we'll do that after the break. It's the Rob Bro Show. Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports. Welcome back. It's Rob Rose Show Talk, 103.9 News, Money, Sports, Overreaction. This from the text line. If you can't make the NCAA tournament, why do you care if any of the players on this team return? Good question. A fair overreaction. Uh, I think in some senses there are a few guys you're willing to part with. Uh, but overall, I think we forget in college basketball that there is a world where some teams just have seniors or juniors or even sophomores in some cases, I know it's crazy, that started at that university and got better every year. It's crazy. Wild. And it's much easier to improve year over year with a guy like Pop Isaacs or Lamar Washington or Jalen Tyson who I still consider somewhat of a freshman. A redshirt freshman. I know he's listed as a sophomore, but certainly could have been listed as a redshirt freshman. I mean, those guys as juniors, Robert Jennings in a college strength and conditioning program for two more years. Even just one more year with some continuity and some chemistry. And then you add in the transfer portal a guy or two every year. It just feels like it would be easier to me to build a roster in that way. And it would alleviate some of the pain of sucking so bad for stretches this season. Because similar to what you did with Keenan Evans and Justin Gray and Norrence Odiasi, you finally broke through with that group. And I know in college basketball, it's not often that you get a cruise to stay together for a long time. But if you could do that this year with this team and into next year and the year after, and those guys make the tournament, it makes having five freshmen on the team this year, four and a half, I guess, with a redshirt sophomore, but 
or a, a redshirt freshman sophomore kind of duo than in Tyson. If you can do that, well, it makes this year a little bit worth it. The growing pain's a little bit worth it. Or else there was absolutely no reason to have five freshmen, period. I mean, in a lot of ways, after all those guys left, you could have just said, all right, well, sorry, freshmen that we offered. We need to go get older. Sorry, Lamar Washington. I know we offered you a scholarship, but we're pulling it, and we're going to get some junior. We're going to go get Desi Sills, a fifth-year senior guard. And just because this team doesn't make the tournament with this talent doesn't mean next year this talent won't be better and make an NCAA tournament. I don't look at Robert Jennings or Jalen Tyson or Pop Isaacs or Lamar Washington at any point this year and say they're not good enough to ever play in the Big 12. Consistency comes with playing in the conference. Now, do I think every scholarship player should be back next year in a Texas Tech uniform that has eligibility? No. And we can discuss that when the season ends. But I would let all of those freshmen return if they wanted to. I would give Jalen Tyson a raise. And I would try to convince Davian Harmon to use his fifth year because his buddy Drew Steffi's coming along. That's the Big 12 tournament team. All right, so Rob Rose Show. It was overreaction Monday. We'll be back tomorrow on the Raiderland, 11 a.m. And again with this show right after. I've been Rob Rob, be a Rob Rob. We'll see you then. The views and opinions expressed by the participants on this Talk 1340 program are not necessarily the views of Talk 1340, its advertisers, staff, management, or Town Square Media.